Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz. And today the question we're going to try to answer is, should Christians celebrate alcohol? And Aaron, I can tell that's your wording of a question because I would not word it like that. But with me as always is Aaron Curran, the pastor of Building 28 Church. Yes, man. This is going to be a celebration. <laughs> celebration. I'm, in, I'm excited, man. I'm yeah, excited. people celebrating we also have We also have with us for a second time on the podcast, the, the Reverend Tim Miller. Dude, last time I said that you're a huge Jaguars fan. I don't know much else. You're you're. He you're, sounds like he's kind of a workout fiend. Seven workout days a week, fiend. beach body. I'm a I'm a beach body guy. I, I wish I looked at more. I am a diehard Jags fan, and I'm a I'm a diehard Disney guy. You, and you know Ooh. that. Well, well, you have six five kids, right? kids. I have five, five okay. kids. Well, five, you you were at bad. Disney, and I, I DM'd Aaron. I said, "Hey, are you guys APs?" And he said, "What's an AP?" <laughs> like obviously, like special like, language. That's <laughs> annual pass holder for those who are not no, in, in. I would in never the Disney know. What that and, was. and you kind of laughed and said, "Yes, we are." But I was like, "How are you an annual pass holder and not know what AP means?" Dude, I'm not. I don't. I don't get the lingo. Anyway, we also have Deshaun, Deshaun Cousins back with us, man, uh, to discuss uh, this really awesome topic, R- really uh, actually very polarizing and divisive topic, but something that once again Christians should consider. All right, more. so let's let's jump into it just starting off because I think this part we're all going to, I don't know actually if Deshaun is going to agree with No, yeah, we're all going <laughs> to agree with this. We're all going to agree with the point that I don't think anybody here thinks that drinking is a sin. Taking a sip of alcohol is a sin or that the Bible says that it's a sin. Does anybody disagree with that comment? No. Just, just for the sake of those listening who might take that argument. Right, exactly. Let's talk about there, that. There, there are individuals, even in our church, mm-hmm. who, maybe in our church, maybe not, but there are certainly individuals across Christianity that would argue that, once again, it, that not an argument that it's wrong for me because I have a, an addiction or a, a, a past in alcoholism, but it's universally prohibited for all Christians. Like there are there are believers who would argue that, and with all respect, I would take the position that I just cannot see that substantiated the universal nature of a prohibition against alcohol in Scripture. But look, if is alcohol is drinking alcohol a sin? You could make the case that drinking water is a sin if you wanted to. If you have a glass of water and the Lord says you need to give to someone in need and you take a sip of that water, the water you just drank would be sinful. So I, I think that that's kind of the line of reasoning there. Like there's no way we could possibly say based on the totality of scripture that taking a sip of alcohol is a sin, even though some would come down pretty hard on, yeah, it is a sin. And I have nothing against people who drink. I have nothing against Christians. Who Why drink. is that? What are the, what's the argumentation you've heard that drinking alcohol at all is a sin? Well, once again, in fairness, this this didn't even exist in Christianity until about 200 years ago. Like uh, alcohol was never a dividing point really in Christianity for the most part. I mean, little sites of Christianity, but for the most part. Um, and really with the rise of Wesleyanism and Methodism and and moving forward into that, um, there there became this kind of prohibition against against alcoholism. And with that, there came a, in my opinion, a twisting of scripture. So that that gave rise to in the 19th century this 
really fallacious argument that when Jesus turns water into wine, he's turning into grape juice. Right. Um, that when he takes the cup of wine, the cup of redemption at the Lord's table, that there is, it's the fruit of the vine, it's grape juice in there. That, that was never believed throughout church history. There's no biblical warrant for that. They just and didn't have the word for grape juice when they translated it? Is apparently, that, according to that argument. And this is a legitimate argumentation that is made by people that, you know, a lot of them would still say, okay, if you're doing it medicinally, or I even know them that would, uh, many Christians who would say, well, Paul told Timothy to take wine for his stomach because they didn't have the medicines then that we have now. Yeah, it's first Timothy 5. Yeah, and, yep. so, and so he's, he's going to instruct him to do that only because they don't have what we have now. And, and so they're going to take that position. I think it is a biblically, my, my position is that that is a biblically erroneous position to take to universally prohibit alcohol consumption, but that is the position that some Christians would take. So drinking alcohol could be a sin, right? We would all agree. Sure. There, yes. Right? But does it have to be? Not within right. itself by itself. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what have you heard arguments as to that it is just on its own? On it on its own? Just that alcohol itself, one sip, no matter the context around it. I and mean, that was, that was the stance in my house growing up. And again, we've talked about this before, but we, there was never- This is a, not alcohol, by the way. I just raised it's, it up It's a Waterloo. Just, just <laughs> raising a glass of Waterloo. There was never a legitimate reason given to me as a child growing up as to why drinking alcohol was a sin. But the first time I saw my dad cry was when he saw my brother drink a beer. <laughs> like that's how much it broke yeah. my own father's heart when he saw my brother drink. And I, and I never understood that. But it just kind of put that pit in my stomach of, wow, this must be a horrible thing as a child growing up. So the conversations are obviously very different around my house when it comes to this topic. But I, I have not heard a legitimate reason as to why just taking a sip of alcohol. What about you, Deshaun? Similar to those guys, I've heard those kind of arguments. And the other one is the slippery slope is if you take one sip, then you're going to be an alcoholic and all those different kind of argumentation. I don't think they're legitimate, but those are the ones I've heard is that slippery slope. Um, what else are you going to get into after you take that? Don't one knock sip? out the slippery slope just yet. We can talk about the slippery slope if you want to. But once again, no, I wouldn't say that's the same argument. I, I wouldn't yeah. say, well, I mean, it, from what he's saying, if you take one sip, you're going to fall down the slippery slope. That's that's misguided. I would agree with that. I, I just don't think you could make a case from Scripture that would prohibit Christians from drinking Agreed. altogether. Not not a legitimate Right. I mean, first Timothy three church leaders shouldn't be enslaved by it, which, which right. wouldn't which say mm -hmm. we could moderately consume it. Psalm 104. Wine is a gift from God. So I, I think there's a it's there's, my favorite verse. It's, it's your life verse, really. <laughs> it's my life verse. <laughs> oh, gosh. Here we go. All right. So now that we've crossed Cheers. that bridge into the into the conversation of should we celebrate it as Christians? Can you define what you were thinking with that question and that verbiage as opposed to? Should we drink alcohol? You decided to put celebrate. Okay. So I, the reason I phrased it that way is I am a big proponent that as we strive for righteousness, Christians should celebrate the good gifts of God that he's given to us, not as, not for what the world has made them out to promise us. Like we're talking about this a lot in our current Ecclesiastes series. The world promises that pleasure will satisfy us, that that wine or alcohol will give us meaning and purpose. It, none of these pleasures, none of these gifts of God can deliver on those promises. And so if we're seeking them for that reason, there's emptiness and vacancy in them. But if we're seeking them as we're seeking Christ and we're enjoying the good gifts he's given us, which I would believe based upon my life verse <laughs> is, is alcohol as well. Uh, apart from drunkenness, which I'm sure we'll get into, but apart from apart, the prohibition is against drunkenness. Like, do not be drunk. And I know there's ambiguity around what is drunkenness. We can talk about that if we want to. But apart from that, 
If we're not going to go down the road of we're just going to enjoy a good gift, whether it's food without gluttony and addiction or whether it's alcohol without drunkenness and addiction, then that's why I would use the word celebrate because I don't think it's merely, I I think with anything in life, like if I'm going to go out and play around a golf, I bring up golf a lot because you like to golf, Pete. If I'm going to go play around a golf or I'm going to go to a Jacksonville Jaguars game, I'm not just going to dabble my, my toe in. I'm going to enjoy it to the fullest. I'm going to celebrate if the Jaguars win. Like, so there should be a celebration. I think there needs to be a reorientation, a reshaping of how we view the good gifts of God used in their proper context, that this is a celebration of the gifts that he's given us. And that's why I phrased it in that way. Can we just go around and say, like, do, and I don't know where you guys think, do you drink? Like, do you consume? Obviously, yes. For everybody in the room? Not me. No, I don't. First of all, I I do not either. I I don't drink. I think we can get into why in a second. And and I don't, um, I don't drink any strong liquor. Okay. So So no strong liquor. Just just beer one. Yeah. I don't drink period. I have drank, I have before, especially with this great invention of White Claw once in a while now, but generally speaking, I do not drink. Generally speaking, I do not drink. I don't, I don't drink anything that's mass produced. Okay. okay, whatever. Bud Light, Bud Light. So we're going to get in there, Mr. Okay. Local <laughs> <Marie>. <laughs> All right, so I want to come back to at the end, because of the way you phrased the question, do you think it's wrong for people not to celebrate alcohol? Because you're saying, should Christians celebrate alcohol? The converse of that is, is it wrong then if they don't? If your answer is yes to that. We can do that at the end. So let's let's jump now to, based on Aaron's description of celebration of alcohol, Tim, what's your response to that question? Should Christians celebrate alcohol? I'll just say that I choose not to drink most of the time. Now, if I'm a guest at someone's house. Or it's been a really long day. Or it's been a really long day. <laughs> hey, we have a, a new member, and he invited me over a couple of weeks ago. He was drinking a beer, offered me a beer. I had a beer with him at his house. I was a guest yeah. in his house. I felt that it was appropriate to have a drink with him in his house. But given the choice, I choose not to drink. And for me... I think a lot of it has to do with the way I was brought up. I told you about what it did for my dad just seeing my, my brother drinking. And, and I think there are tons of scripture warning against excessive drinking. Like there's just no way around that. Definitely. Ephesians 5, Romans 14, Hosea 4, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 21. Like we, we could just yeah. kind of keep going with this list here. But, but practically speaking, and this is probably the main reason I choose not to drink, is I've just seen it ruin lives marriages, most recently ministries and families. And then it comes back to this question we've asked ourselves before is, is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it? So can I have a drink occasionally and feel absolutely zero guilt? Yeah, absolutely. Have I celebrated with my brothers before over a Jacksonville Jaguars victory? Yeah. And in context, it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. But do I choose to drink on a regular basis? No. So should it be celebrated? It's such a good word. It's a, it's a, it's almost misleading, right? Like, yeah. Like celebrate. I, I don't know if that's the right. Words that's are the, important. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right way to approach this this topic. Can we? Okay, yeah, in moderation, sure. But should we celebrate it? I I don't know where I'd land on See, that. See, I, I guess that's once again to kind of cycle back, and that's why I phrase it that way. Is that I feel like we we could celebrate. A Jaguars win, and we would say, "Okay, you okay, know, we're, we're celebrating that as a good gift of God." Like the Jaguars, the Seminoles, uh, the but I'm the, celebrating the, the win. I'm not celebrating the alcohol. <laughs> exactly. yeah, like, I think that's kind of the difference there. I'm celebrating with alcohol, but I'm not celebrating the alcohol. I mean, I, I, I guess I would argue we're celebrating the entirety of the sport, the contest, the okay. experience. Like we're celebrating that God has given us this opportunity or these gifts sure. to enjoy. Like that's how that's how I see it. Like it's. It's whatever it is that, that God has given us. If it's abused, it's sinful. We can't celebrate Agreed. for the glory of God. Right. If, if it's not abused and it's in its proper place, 
and it's not universally prohibited, it can be enjoyed, celebrated, whatever word you want to throw on that for the glory of God. And so that's that's kind of why I chose, once again, chose that word, I think. All right. Yeah. I want to hear what Deshaun says. Um, so I actually like what Aaron said at the end of not allowing the abuse to determine whether we should be able to use it. So I'm, I'm of the vein that abuse does not take away proper use. Um, even though I do not drink strong liquor at all, I do believe that Christians have the freedom to do that. And because of that, I, I will defend that freedom for believers to enjoy it, obviously with limitations upon it. Um, and so that's the approach that I take towards it. So for me, I don't have any desire to, because for me going into college, especially got into a lot of drinking. And so all of it for me, those connotations and just, I've seen what it looks like when people are hammered, falling on the face. And so for me, I don't want to come close to that line. I don't want to even come close to getting drunk. And so that's why I stay away from heavier liquors and I limit my consumption to a glass or two at most. So if I can follow up really quick, because you don't care what I have to say. About I, I do. I do care. I already know what you had to say, man. Everybody, everybody knows. He's just trying to stifle me. Just so everybody <laughs> listening knows. He, no, doesn't, no. he doesn't want me to have the floor. I was, was going to say, I, I think that that is, I want to be clear because I've already been painted br- with a broad brush You're by Peter yourself, as an alcoholic sir. or something. I'm not painting myself. I'm joking around. This is light. But I will say, I totally respect Deshaun's position. I think that is a wise position to take of staying away from the line. Like drunkenness is clearly biblically prohibited. Right. And so, and liquor will get you there a lot quicker than than a beer or a wine will. And so I think that's, I I also respect and understand Tim's positioning and especially from a personal level, like that as a pastor, we see so many people that have been devastated by the ill effects of alcohol. At the same time, to push back on that a little bit, I also see probably the most pervasive addiction in my church is social media. Mm, But yet we don't prohibit or or tell people not, I've started to actually tell people to get off of it and not use it a little bit, not not universally, but because of the addiction and because of the toxicity of it. And so I I don't think the argumentation sticks um, for, for Christians that because something can take us to a place of toxicity and destruction, that we ought to steer clear of it. Personally, that that could apply. But recognizing our own addictive tendencies. So if you're an, Absolutely. If, if you have an addictive personality and you recognize that in yourself, then this would be one of those areas where you're like, you know what, I, I probably should steer clear because I know this could lead me down a very dangerous. So road. I don't think he knows about me, but that was that was my position with fantasy football. I played three seasons. I was addicted. To, yeah. I, I I'll it's be bad. honest. I, I was I was up late at night. Sure. I was I was playing all the time, and I finally went. Hey, I can't. I can't even. Mm. I'm all in have an addictive personality. And yep. so if it's something like that, fortunately that has not for me applied with alcohol in all seriousness. Um, but there are certain things where I have to go. And if, if the Christian who's listening to this goes, if that's me with alcohol, then they should absolutely abstain yeah. completely Without from alcohol. I, I, that's yeah. me with FanDuel. So I, I did FanDuel, which is, you know, like low, low sports betting, gambling. And it, it, I never spent a lot of money, but it consumed my time. I was up late and it was just nasty for like a, a season and a half. And I just started fan dueling like the most random sports just because I wanted to get that high of winning a quarter. And I'm like, wow, this is really, really <laughs> bad. But I kind of get that what you're saying. Hey, there we're with pastors, fantasy. man. A quarter is, is big money sometimes. So. I remember winning 25 cents on an NBA yeah. game that I didn't even watch. And I just updated FanDuel over and over just to see my score go up. Like that's how awesome. bad I was up to like two in the morning. It was so bad. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> so okay, Pete, we so want to hear your point, a lot your to point of view. Right now. Since Aaron's gotten like six arguments in, could I have my time, please, sir? The floor is moderator. Yours. Could I have? <laughs> I like need an extra fifteen seconds. Um, 
So no, I, and it's not necessarily a debate. I would just say I personally don't drink and there's a lot of reasons for it, which I'll run through, but I also don't think it's sinful to drink. Obviously I wouldn't go to a church where a pastor drank if I thought it was sinful. My wife drinks, my parents drink, everyone in my family does basically. And I grew up like that. Like my dad never had a problem drinking. Like uh, your experience was very different from mine. My, I remember my papu would give us little tastes of his alcohol or his beer when we were like 12 years old in his house, like stuff that I'm sure people would be appalled by. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that would happen when it's a Greek family where the wine and the alcohol and stuff was, you know, all high level, whatever stuff. So the reason I don't drink aside from not liking the taste of it is I, I don't see a beneficial reason to, okay? So I see a lot of negatives to it and I, I hear you talking about celebrating it and we've just done a podcast on cursing, which I think is very different from this because I think the sin with cursing comes before you curse and the curse doesn't add to the sin. I think the sin with drinking comes after you drink. And I think that so many people say that they don't have too many or, you know, they, they only have one or two or, you know, whatever it may be that they cut themselves off and it's just not true. And I've seen throughout my whole, I'm not calling anybody a liar, especially I know Deshaun just said that. And I'm just saying, generally speaking, in my experience. I've seen Deshaun drink. He drinks with wisdom. Okay. So, yeah. And that's great. And, and I would say the same about you. Okay. I've seen you drink many times over the years and I would say it's always been done with wisdom. And, and so while I'm not, and that's exactly my point is I think it can be done, but I think as a general statement, I would say, no, we shouldn't celebrate alcohol. And I, and I have lots of reasons for that. I would say that myself personally, I'm a type A control freak, addictive personality, you know, success driven, whatever you may call it. And I've seen alcohol become addicted, addictive to many people seen it ruin lives. Like Tim, that's exactly a huge way. I would, I'm an attorney, not a pastor, but I've seen lots of lives sure. ruined, careers ruined, families ruined by alcohol. So many, I went to Florida State, okay? Didn't drink while I was there, which is, yeah, remarkable, Shocker. right? Yeah. Um, I, I did have a drink like on my 21st birthday. My friends brought me a beer or whatever. But generally speaking, I didn't drink. I always drove. And again, saw so many embarrassing nights moments that lasted so much longer than they should have ruined friendships, ruined witnesses, right? And that's where I really come down is I've seen way too many people I know are Christians, deacons, elders, pastors, that I've seen wasted, mm -hmm. drunk, embarrassing, saying things that I'm just like, seriously, dude, forget yeah. about cuss words. Like you couldn't even understand what they were saying. It's just embarrassing. It ruins your witness. And I think that is such a high percentage of where alcohol can lead. And when we talk about the slippery slope, I think it's fine. And we've had these conversations privately as well. I think it's fine if you want to drink, but I think that there are so many problems with it that I absolutely don't think we should be saying Christians should celebrate alcohol or we should be having church events around alcohol or we should be, you know, promoting it or things like that. That's just how I feel. And we like, shouldn't be condemning those who do drink or condemning those who don't drink. Absolutely. And that, that's yeah, where it gets really I, I polarizing as well. And then we can't, you can't avoid the stats on drinking, right? I just did a little research last night and, and they're, they're scary. So right now in America, in the U.S., more people are drinking than are, than are drinking ever before. So the cost of excessive drinking, not, not just regularly, but excessive. So the cost of binge drinking, $250 billion a year in the U.S. alone. So what the CDC is saying is that is having a direct impact on the cost of our health care. So sure, we are paying definitely. higher health care premiums because of excessive drinking. The number of adults who binge drink once a week, once a week, binge drink, get drunk, 30 million adults at least once a week admit to binge drinking. Like so I think percent of the population, the stats, the stats on alcohol abuse or dependence, they're staggering. Like we can't, 
argue. We can also all agree that the Christian stats would be no different, right? The stats for America match up with just like divorce stats. I mean, it's no different for Christians. That might might be a little different, but I disagree. I think it's probably the same. I mean, the divorce. If you take out the fundamental Baptists and everybody that don't drink at all, if you (laughs) take them out, I bet the stats. That's why the stats wouldn't be the same. There are lots of Christians that don't drink at all. There are many Christians in our church that would have no problem with drinking, but they either drink extreme with extreme moderation or not at all. They just don't do it. Um, I have lots of Christian friends who don't drink, and I respect them. And to Tim's earlier point, absolutely, we should never bash somebody or condemn somebody who does drink or who does who refrains right. from drinking. Like there should be respect shown within Christianity. Um, I think for me, the the biggest rub is, and I agree with the stats. And I think it's there's a there's an epidemic of alcohol that exists, and I think there's many epidemics in our culture. Yes. We have a very addictive culture to a lot of different things. But this topic happens to be alcohol. Uh, exa- exa- exactly, exactly. Um, and so I think there it needs to be addressed. At the same time, I think it has been so polarized within Christianity, especially since the hippie movement, mm-hmm. 60s and 70s, that it's demonized in a way that is unbiblical and unfair at times that other things that could compare to it are not demonized in that way. Like things that we are addicted to, that we do divest a ton of money and that are right. terrible for our health. I think the same argument for social Coffee. media, get off social media, everybody. Fine. I think the world would be a better place if nobody drank and nobody was on social media. I'm going to say it. Okay. okay. So, I think so what that's, is, I think that's so what about like Ecclesiastes nine where okay. actually command there's, there's an imperative given there in the Hebrew to drink your, your wine with gladness. I think it's like what you've been saying. Do everything to the glory of God. It's sure. the same kind of thing. And that's just what you're going to do. Do I don't think that's a mandate to drink wine. I hope you don't either. I don't see it as a mandate, but it certainly would would fly against any prohibition, not just a universal prohibition, but but anyone else looking at someone and saying, you cannot do this. Now, if we're looking once again at somebody who who has an addiction to alcohol or has a history sure, of alcohol, we're, we're on the same page, right? But what if but, we don't know if they have an addiction to alcohol? Like that—that's my other beef too. Well, there's because, a lot more behind that, right? Because, like I said, I was at my my friend's house and he offered me a drink. Sure, but I, I wouldn't offer someone a drink when they come into my house. No and, way. They, and then they might feel the pressure to drink, and I had no idea of their addictive personality. So I guess there's a there's just a warning there of just just be careful, knowing the context, knowing your surroundings. You would agree that breaking the law is a sin, right? Yes, Un- unless, okay, unless of course, yeah, right, right. unless unless, unless the, the it flies against scripture, right. yeah. Right. So, do you drink and drive? Well, I've had a drink and gotten behind the wheel. Yeah. Okay, okay, and that's not a sin for anybody that's wondering. Drinking and driving is yeah, not a yeah. sin, right? So, do you know how many drinks it takes for you to get above the legal limit? I will be honest and tell you that I have heard from police officers that it needs to be less than one beer an hour. One drink an hour. No police officer would ever say that under oath in court. Just so you well, know, no, that's, no, that's, I, a, that's we, a farce. We weren't in the courtroom yeah. when they not said that. Not to mention that, so. you're huge, right? So yeah. your amount of beers you could drink and not my amount of beers would be totally different. Not to mention our tolerance level since yeah. you drink a little bit and I don't don't drink. But so the point is, no, nobody really knows. I've had plenty of people come in and say, hmm. I only had two glasses of wine. There's no way I was a 0. 0.20, which is three times the legal limit, basically. Right. So they're shocked, which, you know, whether they're telling the truth, who knows? Yeah. The point is people don't know. Okay. So that's number one. Number two being... When you do drink, what are some of the benefits you get from drinking and from celebrating alcohol? What, why do you do it? I mean, I think I would ask, why did Jesus do it, right? Okay. Like if, if he's sinless, and I think there's, there's strong evidence that, uh, and we've talked about this before, but when they came to him, the marriage of Cana in, in the Gospel of John, he didn't say you shouldn't have been drinking in the first place. He created more wine, better wine for them mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at a party, you know, and 
And uh, I think we can he say was, that we, he, he was, was called a wine bibber and a glutton. Like you don't call a teetotaler a wine bibber. Like, I mean, right. it's just, it just makes sense. Like, and so he's, he even says John, the ba- I think it was John the Baptist came not eating or drinking. And, and you, you know, you mocked him and the son of man came eating and drinking. And, you know, and you said he's a wine bibber and a glutton. So he's, he's saying in that context, I, I do have a drink. So the question has to be asked as, as a Christian, why would Jesus go down that road? Like, why would he do that? Never violating, never being addicted to it, never abusing it, never knowingly being a stumbling block to, to somebody. But yet in a social context, he's having a drink, not, not knowing, I think the argument could be made in his limitation as a human. He doesn't know everybody in the room, like what they're struggling with necessarily and what their addictions are. And so it, we're left to speculate as to why Jesus did it. We know ultimately he did it to glorify God, whether okay. you eat or drink, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do it all to the glory of God. But it would seem that he does this, it would seem, and y'all can push back on this, he does mm-hmm. it for social interaction, like Tim with his friend going over to the house, having a beer. He does it because it does enhance joy. If our joy is not found in the alcohol itself, if our joy is found in spending time with our friends, and you know, then, then it can enhance the, the joy of, of that moment. And I think there are a lot of scriptures. Tim, Tim mentioned some great scripture that would prohibit excessive drinking or strong drink, even to the Sean's point. But I think there's also, you know, when you, when you read the Psalms and Proverbs, mm-hmm. th- there are scriptures that talks about this is a joy and this is a, it lightens the soul and lightens the heart. And, heart and so th- there's those, those are reasons. I mean, I actually enjoy the taste of right, and that's wine fair. And, and, and craft right. beer. And uh, I don't really drink much strong drink either, hardly ever. Um, but I do enjoy the, the taste of, of many beers, especially in the ale family and wine. And I do it for those reasons. I, I think it can be used to glorify God. I do it a lot in social settings, a lot of the, of the I know, but I'm, and that's and, what I'm asking you. So why do you drink, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. I get the biblical explanation, but like yourself, you're going to have a beer. Yeah, so it's it's a social interaction. Like it, okay. it's something that you do in a social setting. It's something that I enjoy. It's something my wife and I enjoy. So it's never, I think, I think I, I would argue this, wrong to do it to numb the pain of I life. Agree, sure. um, mm-hmm. To escape Well, you said like life. have a drink after a, a rough day or whatever. And, like, and that was a joke. That was, it was, it was a joke. I think yeah, it should I be. the joke. I I think it should be noted, though. I think it should be noted because I think yeah. a lot of people will be like, I agree with that because it's been a rough day. I really need to drink. And a ton of Christians do that. Yeah. I've heard it tons of times. So, I mean, I look back and you know this. I love church history and I look back at church history and how the church has prior to the 1800s looked at alcohol. And there was a what I would call a celebration of alcohol that went on in the church. I mean, Luther famously prided himself on brewing a 14 ton batch of beer. Um, in his personal brewery. John Calvin had a wine allowance every year. 14 barrels of wine um, were given him a year. That's that's hundreds of glasses of Just wine. In his salary package. In his yeah. salary package. <laughs> it was part of his salary package, for real, uh, in Geneva. And so, um, and, you know, Chrysostom wrote about the gift of alcohol and and C.S. Lewis wrote, I mean, the, the Inklings met in a pub every Tuesday morning in, in, in Oxford. Um, and he wrote that that he doubted the maturity of any Christian who would, demonize alcohol and and so why you, have we demonized it yeah and, and I, I guess maybe we haven't gotten there yet well i think we have touched on it the, yeah. the abuse of it the, the abuse seen. of I think it the abuse, but yeah. just the just i mean the, the fundamentalist of you know i can't touch the stuff like I, i'd heard growing up you know it's never touched my lips you know I'm yeah. like, right so why have we demonized it simply touching our lips i do think sometimes people bring in like samson and john the baptist and it's like sure. see and they don't understand why any of the background or reasoning for why they were set apart like that. So I do think that there are parts of the Bible that people, like Aaron said already, twist into mm-hmm. that's how we should be. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about this some, Deshaun, like yeah. to, to Tim's question, 
why have, I mean, why is it so such a taboo issue for so many Christians, even if they might have, they might say, okay, it's not universally prohibited, but I'm super uncomfortable if I come into a setting and Christians are drinking alcohol. I would say it's probably because of the world and the way that these things inter- interact with the world. So what I mean by that is seeing drinking going on in the world and seeing the negative connotations to it, seeing people getting drunk and saying, we don't want to be like that. And so because of that, going to the far extreme on the other side and saying, it shouldn't be associated with Christians. I've seen that with things like dance and particular types of musics or card games, or we shouldn't watch stuff like Harry Potter. It can go on and on because um, people associate it with the world does this and this is evil. Therefore, Christians should be completely opposite. And we see it come through in different ways. I think alcohol is just one of those where you see that happening with believers. Yeah, I do. I think it's the slippery slope and the the worst of the worst. And some of the arguments I'm making taken to the farthest extent. I also think the Southern Baptist Convention, which is huge mm-hmm. and has a lot of great things with it, also has been condemning alcohol. Yeah, and I grew up Southern Baptist. That's one of the, like, that was just a big sticking point in church. And I remember sitting at a summer camp as a youth pastor and it was a Southern Baptist minister and he 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 basically condemned alcohol and I had students coming to me and like Tim my my dad drinks is he is he a blatant to be a sinner? deacon and I was or like, pastor oh. at churches I, I went to growing up you had to sign an affirmation saying you won't drink at all while you're a deacon at or my pastor seminary whatever. I had to sign so New Orleans Baptist theological I had to sign and said while I was enrolled yeah. I would not drink alcohol which is <laughs> so interesting to me like is that or is that legalism worth it to them that you're just going to sign it for four years then they know that you drank before and you're going to drink after like why why does that matter like to me that's such a missing the hard issue and missing the right. point. I don't know. I, I think just as a side note, an institutional standard, like they have to exist yeah, an institution, you know? And, right. and so I think uh, for an institution or, right. or even a church- but they could to, to say, say, I will not excessively drink, right? Like they could, yeah, they could say that's that. True. Like, for that's me, true. I, I, I think, I mean, like, like my college that I went to was a Baptist college and they said, we don't think alcohol is wrong, but our institutional standard is no alcohol for any of our students. And and they were very clear. This is just an institutional standard. Like this okay. is just like a just, uniform. And and there's there's church there's pastor friends I have who they would say it's not wrong at all. People in their church drink, but their whole staff will not have alcohol. It's like something they yeah, agree we have to. a no alcohol on campus policy. So do we church. actually here? Yeah. Like there's no alcohol allowed in the building on campus. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, is that is that like a loose policy? Or <laughs> should we check your drawers? I've got the flask right here in my, my People pocket. do bring in gifts sometimes. I'll just say oh, that. Yeah, but that's I take true. Them home. So that actually, I did have a question as we were talking about the amounts and different things like that. Do we have a responsibility to one another to see that our brother doesn't drink too much or mm. to say, hey, we should probably cap that off? Do we have that responsibility as we're in these different social settings drinking? I think that's a very legitimate question i think it's very difficult like when yeah. you're when you're at an event you're at a sporting event with friends you're at a golf tournament like we, we do a golf tournament each year here and let's just let's just absolutely cut through it because this is called out of oz it's pulling away from the fairy land of christianity right like there are people in our church i'm sure at lakeview who to peter's point uh, they abuse alcohol and they would say they don't and they do yeah. like they get drunk they rely on it they use it as an escape tool like that goes on and that should stop. Like for those for those individuals, that should stop. Like for all of of kind of the perhaps frivolity around this around this issue of drinking, of, of kind of joking. Like the seriousness is is that it's destroying lives. It's destroying witness. And I think that more than on just a podcast or from the pulpit, as brothers and sisters, we do need to. If we see that take place, we need to. Even though they're not, it's not going to be well received. Yeah. We need to step up and and for the care of their soul, say, hey, this is this is a problem. Like, it's a problem and challenge one another on that. I think it'd be wise to 
make that depending on the relationship, right? Yeah. Like if you see yeah. it and you don't have a great relationship with them, probably not a great thing to call, never call it out at the time. That doesn't really help. I don't think, no. I mean, I guess you can, if you want to prevent it from getting worse, but again, that depends on your relationship. Like if it was you, I would call it out at the time personally from me to you. But if it was somebody you were friends with that I wasn't, that I saw that I knew was a Christian or a deacon or elder at our church, I may come to you and have asked you to talk to them. I definitely think it's something that needs to be addressed and you can't just let slide because yeah. I think that's so easy for us to do. But this is such a topic that's so hard because it's so easy for them to be like, no, I wasn't. Yeah. I was just having a good time. I was just laughing or being loud or, you but know, many you people- passed out. Do you right? know how many like, people thought I was drunk throughout college at Florida State because yeah. of how I acted and whatever. And it was funny because I was also the designated driver because I didn't ever drink. the problem with drunkenness is that's that that's everyone's going to say when it's you hard. when you start throwing up and you're passing out, you're drunk. Sure. But there's a line far before that. Way and we can't, we can't that. identify necessarily where that is. That's what makes it Where hard. we go from. We had, someone, we had someone on staff a few years ago who literally fell into a plant at a at a church party. I wasn't there and I, and I heard about it afterwards. And, and the response to me was, oh, I had taken uh, my, my blood pressure medication and then, and then drank. And, I'm and like, what do you say to that? Because you can't say, I don't that's know. That's not true. I, exactly. That's yeah. the hard part. But I see, think for Christians. Is, I think this is the, the issue with almost all sin. This is why sexual sin is the most polarizing because it's, it's black and white. Like right. you, you're either doing it or you're not doing right. it. You're either looking at porn or you're not. Yeah. You're right. either sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse or you're not. With so many other sins, whether it's pride. Oh, I'm not, I'm not prideful. I'm just confident. Like I'm just, I'm just confident who I am. Or, you know, drunkenness. Oh, I wasn't drunk. I was just having a good time. I was just married. Like, like Psalm, I think it's Psalm 104 is like, he makes our hearts glad with mm -hmm. wine. Like, That's and it. so, and so, you know, that is the argument. So much sin is ambiguous in nature outside of sexual sin that it's very difficult. And this is why I agree with Deshaun and I agree with Peter. If you have a relationship with somebody, it's incumbent upon us to go to that person if we see that and just challenge them in love. Yeah. Not not with judgment, but in love. Hey, man, th this is this is alarming to me. This is concerning to me. Like what I saw. Can you explain this? Because I'll tell you in ministry, every accusation that's been leveled against me. I'll defend myself on. And every time I've heard a pastor accused or a leader accused, I've never heard yet somebody go, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted to wine. I'm, mm -hmm. in, I'm in violation of 1 Timothy 3. I'm addicted yeah. to too much wine. Um, there's always excuses given because it is it is an ambiguous subject. And I think for probably all four of us in this room, we talk about drunkenness. That that marker would probably look a little bit different for each of us yeah, of sure. what drunkenness is. For my parents, I can tell you, who are teetotaling you know, Christians, love them. They're awesome. It would be if you have even a slight buzz going on, if you feel any different, if there's a euphoric feeling going mm -hmm. on, you're drunk. Like that's that's wrong, you know, because it's it's altered you to a certain extent. And I don't think most Christians would come down on that and say that's drunkenness. Some I would say argue. drunkenness is a lot closer to that than falling over, puking, passing out. That's and, just and, my opinion. And I would say it's I, somewhere in the vast middle ground. I guess of I, what I'm saying is I think I'm way closer to that than you would think. Sure. And and that's the point is because if we're gonna talk about a slippery slope. Once the slope starts, there's a reason it's called slippery, okay? Yeah. So once you get past the buzz and you keep drinking, it's like every time you have another drink, you're less likely to cut yourself off and, and whatever. And you can just, and studies show that. But sure. I think the most important thing when you talk about how to confront somebody or talk to them about it, also make sure they realize you don't think that they're going to hell because of this right. and that you think that it's over and their witness is over and their career is over, whatever. I mean, you can have a normal conversation with somebody being like, hey, like you drank too much at the golf tournament or whatever. And it can be as simple as that, just bringing it to their attention and letting God work and the Holy Spirit work. You know, you don't have to necessarily, if it's one time that you see, be like, 
let's sit down and talk about the real root of the reason of why you're drinking too much. Like, I think you're just drinking too much. There may be situations, especially as pastors, where you know that about somebody's life. But I'm talking about if I'm, Deshaun and I are at a golf tournament and he drinks too much, and I'm like, let's sit down and talk about the root of why he's drinking. Because <laughs> it was probably like he was hanging out with 25 dudes, having a good time, and he had too many beers, but he needs to look out for that in the future as to not do that because it could affect his witness and it is sin and we need to watch out for sin. So I think understanding context is important when you talk to people about this kind of thing as well. No, absolutely. And I would even add into that, um, kind of said of having the right relationship with them, but still having that responsibility for one another to care for one another. Cause I've, I've had to do it before and got the same argument back of I'm not drunk. And you know, so my approach was, so you may or you may not be, but just through outside observation, it looks like you've had a lot and I can see your eyes are a little bit glassy or different telltale and that signs. Can your witness. Um, and having that conversation with them, because I've even heard the other argument to go, well, I can drink a lot more if I'm in the confines of my home just by myself, either with mm-hmm. my spouse or different things like that. And so I think we should even be able to say that being drunk, no matter the context, whether it's in a big social gathering or it's one on one or it's just by yourself it still is a sin against God and, and that by that getting drunk. And so just helping people to think through that more so, thoughtfully and recognize that we can't just, because it's cool, it's fun, we're having a good time, I can get drunk or whatever it may be. To go back to a previous podcast, and this is where I would agree with Peter, that's different. If, if we're going to say cursing is a, is a context issue, we have to stand with Scripture and say drunkenness is not. Correct. If, if And this is where there's so much confusion in Christianity is – that, oh, you have liberty to curse in your home? Well, I have liberty to get drunk in my home. No, no, no. Like anything the Bible clearly prohibits for all Christians, for all people, you don't have liberty to do ever, regardless of the context. Like you don't have liberty to do that. And so Christians need to understand there's universal prohibitions, which that's why I use that phrase so much. And then there's liberties that are given that Mm -hmm. we might not have liberty in our conscience to to do, or we might not have liberty in in a certain context to do, but drunkenness is not a liberty. Like yeah. you're saying, right. so, like, so we know that liberty. drunkenness is not a context issue, but can drinking be a context issue? Like drinking itself, sure. Like if I'm, yeah, if I'm around say, yeah. someone who I know is going to stumble if I have a drink because they have a drinking problem. Absolutely, that's a, that's so drinking could be, but doesn't have to be a context issue. Yeah, drunkenness, no, no doubt. Like that, yeah, they're, they're, absolutely. So, question for you, Tim. Yeah, because I've gotten this question. Sure. Is it is it incumbent upon us as Christians and leaders to simply? Okay, I'm hanging out with Deshaun. I know he has a drinking issue, so I'm not going to have a drink. Right. Is it incumbent upon us to find out? Like we're in a setting with 30 guys. Right. Um, I need to refrain. I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings hanging out with the guys, or I'm at a brewery hanging out with a bunch of guys, and there could be right. an alcoholic. There could be, and there, there could probably be. is an alcoholic somewhere. And is it, is it then – because that's, that's where the argument comes in. I'm just going to refrain pretty much all the time because I don't right. know. Whereas the other argument is if I know someone – is, is, and that's a has, different situation. That, yeah. But when you're in that broad social context, the person who also went there knows that that they're going to going to a bar. They, they're going right. to a bar, and they're, they're going to a space where that's going to happen. They they need to understand that as a believer, man, that that might not be the best spot for me to put myself. But, but we I, as pastors, like, we're, there's no way we're going to know in a group of thirty, yeah, if someone is struggling with that particular. That's and that's such a hard. But wait, but what I issue. think is there's a big difference, right? They go to a bar, and I think this may be at least subconsciously, one of the reasons why you don't. They go to a bar with 20 guys from their church and they sit there. They're probably looking at one guy to see if one guy's drinking. Sure. And it's you. And if you do, I do think that has an effect on on 
which them. is why I choose right. most of the time. And you're held to a to higher, drink. like they're not going to care if I'm drinking. The right. lawyer sitting over there at the bar, like they, they're not going to care, couldn't care less if I'm drinking. But if the pastor's drinking, then they may think, well, maybe it is okay. Maybe I can try to start drinking again, but in moderation, but they're alcoholics. So it's like, I've struggled with this in other areas, right? Even when it comes to TV shows and whatnot. So, because yeah. people are like, well, do you watch, you know, did you watch Game of Thrones? I'm like, oh my gosh, if I say yes, because I did, are they now going to say, okay, that sort of filth on screen is necessary. And then I have to immediately backtrack and, well, I watched it with my wife and I watched it, you know, my wife had a pillow up over my face over all of the, you know, yeah. ridiculous yeah. scenes. So it's kind of that same idea of, man, how, how is it a double standard for me to say, well, I'm not going to drink because it could cause someone to, to stumble, but I can watch whatever I want on TV. That's that's fine. You know, yeah. so that, and for us as pastors, it's difficult. It's There's so complexity. Hard. There's it's wrinkles so to difficult. the Christian life. Like it's right. not just that's why a 45 minute hour long podcast is necessary on these issues, because it's not just cut and dry. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so to kind of summarize, to kind of bring things together, a the the, the consensus throughout church history according to the New Testament, and I think that we've reached is alcohol is not universally prohibited to believers. It's not a sin for everybody. We can't look at somebody else and say it's a sin for them. B, alcohol, I would say, I would argue, and I know there's there's nuance to this here in the room. I would argue that alcohol is a good gift of God, which Scripture says is a good gift from God, can be celebrated for the right reasons in its proper context. It can be enjoyed, whatever word we want to use. It can be enjoyed uh, in the right reason. But C, and this is where I think we need to land, if you have liberty— to drink, which I do, Deshaun does, we have to do that with a consideration of others in mind, mm -hmm. like of their liberty, of their history. We have to do that always steering as far away from sin, aka drunkenness, as possible. And we have to do it with a clear conscience in, in contextual settings. So I think that, am I missing anything from the conversation? No, you don't? No, I think if it's... <laughs> It can be offensive one way or the other. I think you need to. We we would have to understand that. Absolutely. I think if we're if we're in a different cultural setting where they have a glass of wine with their meal, like it's happened on a mission trip before, like a glass of wine is a thing that they do. And so for me to say no, that would have been offensive in that context. So then I would have accepted the glass of wine there. So I think it can go both ways. Absolutely. Well, that's a wrap for today, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys hopping on the show with us, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.